smoking section. Here we are. I have two special guests here because I have a special guest co-host for this episode. Because the moment I said uh, our guest was going to be who it is, <laughs> she goes, I need to host. <laughs> Immediately. I did say said. that. Yes, it is. Don't lie. You may have been drunk. I, I said I did say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have my good friend here, Karina. Hello. How this are is, you, this guys? This is not going to be the last time you hear Karina on this podcast. Because there will be a few. Most likely episode. not. But we have here Alabama-born Mr. Dick Down in Dallas himself. <laughs> Trey Lewis, how are you, sir? Good, man. What's up? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm getting stuck here on this court. There's a lot of things going on over here. It's a little warm in here, too. Um, but how you been doing? Good, man. How's your day? It was good. I got up and did some acoustic videos at uh-huh. the studio for uh, my new EP that just came out. Yeah. Doing some, uh, you know, just some videos to give the fans something else to look at. Let's talk about your new EP, Shut the Door. Yeah. What's been the inspiration behind that, man? So I think that... You know, I mean, I've been putting out music since 2012, so, and nobody ever listened to it, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, just to be honest, like, yeah, I mean, that's everybody. I mean, like, I have, like, a few, like, hardcore fans that, you know, like, when I would go back home to play a show in Alabama, maybe, like, 20 of them would show up, you know? And then, you know, quarantine happens, and then my friend Matt McKinney plays me this song that he wrote called Dick Down in Dallas and we were like going to fucking Chili's on like a Thursday <laughs> and we were riding back from Chili's and my other roommate Mitch was like man if this song was out I would buy it right now and I just know like McKinney grew up in the ministries and then like one of the other co-writers was like a guitar player and the other guy was like in a duo with his wife so like there was none of them singing Dick Down in Dallas yeah so. none of them were going to be having any I'm, I think I'm more Amazed the guy who was in the ministries <laughs> yeah. Yeah. wrote the song. Dick His parents were yeah, yeah. yeah, Dick Down in Dallas. That's style. amazing. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, fuck it. I've been putting out music since 2012. Like, and how me and McKinney met was I was playing at Sky Bar in Auburn, which is a bar if you're familiar. And um, he was playing at Moe's, but like Moe's, the Moe's gig ends early. So then after that, everybody goes to Sky Bar. It's like the thing in Auburn. And uh, he walked in and there was a guy on stage, which was me. And I was singing Big Green Tractor, but I was changing the words to take you for a ride on my big tally whacker. <laughs> and he was like, I got to know this guy, you know, we got to <laughs> hang out with him. And then, make a long story short, he moved here in, like, October of 2018 or 19, I can't remember. And I moved here in December, and he saw me at Revival. He was like, dude, I met you in Auburn. You were changing the words to Big Green Tractor. Like, what's up? And that was, like, one of the first five hands I shook in Nashville. And me and him were, like, just became buddies after that. We were hanging out. So, anyways, fast forward. I was like, screw it. I, you know, I've been putting out music since 2012. I'll put out this song. It'll be funny. You know, like I thought it would just be like a a Nashville thing. You know what I mean? Like, like Tyler Reeve had this song one time called "White Wine, White Girls, and Adderall." I don't know if y'all ever heard it. it was, I've never heard that song. It was yeah, me neither. But he, this time, a long time. Heard yeah, I've never heard that yeah, one he either. He took it down, I guess, after he had his big songwriting. You know. He wrote in case you didn't yeah. know and all that yeah. stuff. So I guess after that, he just was like took it down. You know, he's like married, so I guess like right. 
that's a bad look, you know. I mean, I know her. I mean, I don't know if that's I his mean, reason. I mean, I know her. She's very funny, so I'm sure she'll understand the humor. About yeah, she is yeah. a white girl, though. Yeah. But anyways, I just thought it was gonna be like one of these Nashville like funny songs, you know. Like, I didn't think it was gonna do what it did. Right. Um, and then I played it around. So like when COVID happened, we were all just hanging out at each other's houses. There was no bars open or anything like that. And then, um, so like. All my friends like knew this song, you know, Dick Down in Dallas. So like, uh, uh, Matt Burrill, he has in the round podcast. He's my, actually my tour manager now, which is funny. Um, he asked me to come play the round. He was like, I want you to play your music, but then at the end, I want you to play Dick Down in Dallas because it was like a thing, you know. Like I was totally doing it, just hadn't gotten around to it yet. And then I played it that night, and uh, Nikki T took a video. And posted it on Ray's Rowdy, and then from there, Trey Bonner, the guy that does my social media, posted it on like Caller Daddy's Facebook group, and then <laughs> and that's where you saw yeah. it. That's where I saw I it first. Yeah. 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 That's where I saw it too. And then from there, McKinney had like a old row contact from like his college days, and he got it posted on there, and then. Mitch, my my old roommate, was like, "You need to start posting this shit on TikTok." And then I just did, and then from there it was like, I was like, "Well, I guess we're recording this song." And then I'll never forget, I was I've played cover, I've played in a cover band for the last you know six years. That's how I made my living to be able to you know afford my songwriting habit. And uh, I was driving down to Huntsville to play at this bar um, called. Uh, uh, some pub I can't even remember the name of it now but I've been playing there for years and I posted this video of us in the studio like I played the song for this guy that like came into Grady's and like you know I didn't know who he was but anyways he like points up at the ceiling like when the chorus hits you know <laughs> like and he's like brilliant you know whatever and that's like the first video on TikTok that like went viral like I was like on the way to my four hour acoustic gig and like by the end of my gig the video had three million views so it was like, that's insane I'm like taking a break at my acoustic gig like looking I'm like telling people at the bar I was like I'm not trying to be one of these guys but I'm totally going viral right now <laughs> <laughs> and they were like they didn't believe me but you know after I didn't play a gig there you know after a while and they saw me like selling out shows and you know topping the iTunes charts and all that stuff they were like he's for real you know like yeah texting me congratulations and stuff so pretty cool so I think that you know back to the original question is is that you know you have a song do what it does it's like okay well now I can keep putting out music and people will actually listen to it you know now right. you know there's all kinds of questions it's like you know or you know what are, what are your are you gonna be like the next Wheeler Walker Jr. Do I love Wheeler Walker Jr. Yes, I mean who doesn't? I mean shit's hilarious. Uh-huh. But like, do I want to be that kind of artist? No. And is there people out there that are only gonna like me for that song? Yeah, that's all right. I just need enough to come buy my tickets and come to my shows. You know what I mean? You literally just asked my question. Yeah, same. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because I was gonna because I felt as though when the song came out that you kind of pigeonholed yourself into this yeah. in this position with everything and so it's like I, I literally said to her I'm like I think I want to ask like how the hell do you plan on getting yourself out of this hole and out of this niche market well the thing is is that you know um, 
I have fans, you know what I mean? Like, right. I go live all the time. I have people that love my music and, you know, I mean, the numbers show for themselves on the EP that I just put out, you know, I mean, I played a show in Raleigh, North Carolina Saturday night and, you know, was it packed out? No, but I mean, there was, you know, 200 people in there singing every single word to every song that was on the, you know what I mean? I can make a living doing that. So right. it's like, you know, at this point, it's like I have over a million monthly listeners. So it's just like volume. That's a volume game at this point. You know what I mean? Just keep hitting them with music. I just, I just put out five songs. I got another one. I just recorded five more. So it's like, you know what I mean? I just got to keep it coming, you know? And, and I mean, the coolest thing about all this is that like I'm getting paid to be myself like my Instagram and like DM Monday and like all that crazy shit that I do on my social media I've been you know what I mean that's been me before Dick Down in Dallas ever came along you know what I mean like right you know take you for a ride on my big tally whacker like I've been doing that shit before that shit ever came along so it's <laughs> that's like incredible. I'm just getting paid to be myself right you know what I mean and it's really cool um that people like authenticity you know what I mean and that's what sells and like I think for a long time in my career I, you know it's like I grew up in Alabama and I grew I came up in that circuit where you see bands like or you see people like Muscadon Bloodline Riley Green um who else Murphy Elmore was one of them I don't know if y'all know who he is but like during that time it was like uh, I know Charlie from Muscadon Bloodline and um Riley, like we were all playing this, you know, pretty much the same bar circuit, same cover gigs and everything like that. So like I saw a lot of those guys kind of move up in the music world as far as that goes, you know, and like I was still stuck in Alabama fucking playing covers. So yeah. it's like for a while it's like I spent a lot of my time like trying to sound like this guy or like trying to like you know like create a sound or something like something like that and then finally i was just like fuck it i'm just gonna be me and if people like that cool and if not like maybe i can just like make enough living to like you know support my songwriting habit and like i know this is weird because i do have a song about dicks and butt fucks but prayer is something that's a big part of my my life and like um I, uh, I'm sober. I've been sober for 14 years. I got sober when I was 19 and, uh, I've been sober ever since. And part of me getting sober was I bought a guitar and I taught myself how to play it. But, um, I, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I just like, um, lost my train of thought. But what I'm saying is, is like when I just finally just said, screw it, I'm just going to be me and do what I do. Then like everything just seemed to work out, you know? And like, I'll never forget, like I was driving in my van one day and I drive a white van because that's what we traveled in for so long. And like, now that I'm making a little bit of money, I just don't like spending it. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know? I was just talking to a friend before I got here. He was like, man, you just need to go buy you a truck. I was like, man, I'm buying, I'm, I'm driving this Toyota Sequoia. Someone's got 400,000 miles on it. It's paid for, you if know, it's getting you from point <laughs> yeah. A to point B. That's yeah. I'm just like, fuck it. I don't care. You know what I mean? But uh, I'll never forget one day I was driving in my van and I was just like, I was like, God, if this is all all you ever want me to do is like playing a cover band and and I, but if I still get to write songs with my friends during the week, then like, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's fine. If that's all you want me to do, that's cool. But wouldn't it be cool for me just to have a little bit of success, you know? Absolutely. And like, I'll never forget, like, 
when the night when Dick Down in Dallas came out and it went number one on the iTunes charts. Uh, I'll never forget, like, just going in my room and just getting down on my knees. And I was just like, all right, I'll never question you again. This is funny. This is irony. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, I feel you on that. So, um, I don't know. It was really cool, man. To, uh, to It's been a hell of a ride. We've played, like, 70 shows since December 1st in the middle of a pandemic. So, um, it's pretty been, sweet. Yeah, that sounds about right. Got a buddy doing that, too. <laughs> it's, been, it's been pretty crazy. Um, I mean, our our whole goal is is that you know um, fans come to the show a Dick Down Dallas fan, and my goal is is to um, you know make them a Trey Lewis fan before they leave. And, Absolutely, and that's 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 kind of the whole mo. But like, if I hadn't done that six years of like, I did the Tin Roof Circuit. I played four hour straight, four nights a week. So I learned how to like, earn, you know, earn a crowd and like keep them entertained. So if you know, but like if I wouldn't have spent six years doing that, I wouldn't know how to earn a crowd. Like I'll never forget we were playing, and um, it was like uh, I don't know Charlotte or somewhere like that, and. Um, I had some people fly out from Nashville to come see me. And usually, like, some of the crowds we play for, like, it's packed house, 2,500 people, like, up in your face. They're ready to party, ready to go, ready to see me, ready to see the whole thing. But sometimes it ain't always like that. Right. right. Sometimes you walk in there, and they're, like, you know, looking at you all crazy. <laughs> and this was one of those nights. And I'm like, fuck, I got these fucking people from Nashville coming to see me play. But I was like, fuck it, all right, I'm going to go out here and earn it. But by the third song, they were in the front of the stage and they didn't move the entire night. But, like, you know, had I not been through what I, you know, went through, then I would have never known how to do that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, I think that everything's just a building block off the next. Um, but, yeah, man, we put this EP out. And I think it's doing pretty good um, for normal country music, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say, I, I don't think there's any, like, formula. Yeah. to getting yourself out there. I think whatever works for you and whatever um, image you come out with that just happens to come naturally, I yeah. think, I, I don't think there's any rules. And I, I love that song. And that's like one of the biggest reasons I was like, yeah. I really want to co-host this. I just, and I, I know it's like risky words, right? Yeah. Of course. But at the end of the day, it's a really good song. I mean, well, it's all clever. About women empowerment. You yeah. know what I mean? That's really what it is. Dick Down in Dallas. Okay. We're coming out with the shirts, uh, empowering women since 2020. Yeah, oh, I love Make that. sure you get one. Send me, oh, send me one of those too. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. that. 2X, 2X, 2X. Yeah. Yeah. When she says she loves this song, literally, um, we have gone on road trips. And this is the first hype song of the day. <laughs> I need to get hyped. I need to get, like, we need to get, let's get hyped. Let's get, okay. I always sneak that song and in she there. she sneaks the song <laughs> in and I'm like, we're really singing Dick Down in Dallas right now. We sure are. <laughs> it's, man, it's wild, dude. My, uh, I, like, people ask me all the time, like, do you hate the song yet? And I'm like, no, I'll never hate the song. You know? I think it's a clever song. I think it's a clever song. Um, I... So, not saying it, but I, I work for a station and um, radio station, and I had a conversation with someone on the station, and I'm like, we literally had said, it sucks that it's called Dick Dead in Dallas, and it says what it says because yeah. melodically and lyrically, it would be fucking great on radio. Yeah, and I'm like, 
you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, you yeah, know. I feel like since I wasn't a writer on the song, I can say that it's a badass song. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I actually uh, recorded a uh, radio edited version. It's called Down in Dallas. Did you really? Yeah. And really? I said, so Nicky T, he works for a radio station out of Pittsburgh. Okay. And he's, been, he's been playing it on there. Yeah. It's called oh, It's I called Down in Dallas. I gotta listen to that Send it to me because I, yeah. I, I, I. But I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's like, uh, but without the cuss words. It's like, how do you, but how do you how do you change what do you what do you change getting buck fucked for? That's like she's gone back down to Dallas, ran off to Raleigh, two timing in Tennessee. Oh, been all been all around Austin, back up to Boston, made her way around New Orleans. Oh, putting me through hell, loving. Yeah, that doesn't else. deliver it yeah. same way. Yeah, it does. It, 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 it doesn't, doesn't, but it's still clever. I like it. I think it does the job. Kids Bob version. It's a Kids Bob version. <laughs> so, have y'all seen the remix video? Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about that because one of my friends is in the remix video, mm-hmm. um, and she uh, she took. She actually came to Nashville. Like, what do we do that? We, we, it was was it her birthday? No, it wasn't her birthday. You talking about Dusty? Dusty. Yeah. But she came into town. And she just went. She was like, I think it was the first time since before the pandemic she had been in the town. Yeah. And we pretty much spent the whole weekend drinking. Yeah. Um, kind of like how we did for your birthday, um, Karina. Um, <laughs> we Oops. pretty much spent the whole weekend drinking, and then she's like, "I gotta do this this music video." I'm like, "What music video?" And she goes, Dick Dad in Dallas. I'm like, You're gonna be in the video? If I'm like, We're doing extra. She goes, No, I'm the star of the fucking song. <laughs> that one video that we posted yeah. with her, like, it was just a snippet at the beginning of the video. It got like 3 million views or something. That's yeah. sick. It gets to her head sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. If she ever listens to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's cool, man. She's I, cool. I love Dusty. I love I've her. known her for a long time. I love her. So, how did that remix come about? Because it was with. Um, so what was what was Rashad? But yeah, Rashad. Rashad. The the V's are upside down. Yeah, face. that's what kind of fucks yeah, me up sometimes. Yeah. yeah. People are like, "Who's Rashad?" And I was like, "It's Rashad, man. It's clever, you know." Um, so I I just saw it on TikTok and I thought it was really cool. Um, I wish I would have hopped on it earlier. I feel like the song would have really, you know, taken off to another level if I would have seen it earlier. But um, I've just been having a hard time like managing this phone thing you know what I mean ever since all this happened it's like there's a lot of things that yeah. that's why you have managers yeah exactly you know exactly it's not, exactly but I don't want them up on my phone you know? oh that's true yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true but, uh, no but uh, I just saw it and I thought it was cool and uh, we had toyed with the idea of like we had the guy from Two Life Crew he was they, they wanted to put him on a thing but I was kind of like nobody really knows who he is you know any, anymore which is which is bad thing to say. Yeah, nobody really knew. Yeah, but I mean, I like looked at his TikTok. He had like three hundred followers. You know what I mean? That's true. So I was just like, yeah, would it be cool to do something with a legend? Hell yeah! But like, you know, it has to make sense. Yeah, when, when, when you start doing duets and things like that, yeah. it has to make the timing right. has to be great, and it, and it actually has to make sense. And there was like there was a few other artists, but like their fee to be in it was like ridiculous. Like it was like one of the guys. Wait, was, you had to pay them to be in it. Yeah, one of them was like. Honestly, I, I would pay to be in that. Yeah. <laughs> so one of those guys. I can't like, relate. One of the guys was asking for like thirty grand. I was like, No, nah, man, we ain't doing all that. You know what I mean? 
Wow. Um, Dang. I mean, the song's still like, you know, I mean, it's getting like two million streams per week in between Apple and Spotify. That's not even counting Amazon or anything. That's still, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like. It's just now growing outside of Nashville yeah. in a big way. Um, my friends never knew this song. And I, I've been around a few cities in the last few weeks, and at least one time somebody played it. And I was like, wait a second, you know this song? And they're like, yeah, I love this song. And I was like, that's amazing that this is like making it <laughs> nationally. Yeah, they talked about it on Ridiculousness. Did y'all see that? Oh, no, I, I didn't. see that. Yeah, with Luke yeah. Bryan, yeah. Chanel West. Yeah, that's crazy. That's insane. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's been wild. But I, I think that I'm I'm really grateful for like, had I signed with a label, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I didn't. I had offers from just about every label there was. But I like I wanted to own that master because I knew that song was never going to radio. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's like, why give up a master when I can make the money for that? But like, had I say had I signed with a label, and this song blown up in the wrong organization get a hold of it and like you know blow me up as a sexist or some shit like that then you got a corporation trying to deal with that then i can't tour then i can't do this you know what i mean like yeah so i think that doing the letting it grow organically like has been like the best thing you know what i mean right yeah that's really cool so what direction are you trying to go into from this point forward? I mean, I'm just a songwriter. I mean, I'm putting out music that I'm, I mean, I'm not going to put out, you know, dicks and butt fucks, honestly. I mean, I don't think there's really like a way to outdo that song. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I mean, I mean, a lot of my, you know, it's like one of my songs on my EP. It's called Backup Man. It's about this girl that I, love that I was, you know, that I was messing around with. I thought we were about to start dating. And then she called me up one night. She was like, Trey, I got to tell you something. And I was like, what's up? Here we go. You know, like we're about to start dating. And she was like, I met somebody. And I was like, oh, shit, I read that wrong. You know, <laughs> and then fast forward two years later, she calls me up and she's like, hey, Trey, guess what? And I was like, what? She's like, I'm single. And I was like, cool. So I loaded up the fuck truck and headed down to Birmingham and we hung out. And I ain't talked to her since. <laughs> But I was like, when I left, I was like, I called my buddy Mark Addison Chandler. I was like, dude, I got this song about being a girl's backup plan. And he was like, I'm starting the Google Doc now. And when I got back to Nashville, we wrote it. And like, you know, and that's, I mean, that's what my my music is, is real life experiences, you know. And that's how I've always been as a writer. I've always, you know, written from personal experience. And then there's a few outside, you know, cuts on the record that my friends wrote that I feel like that you know my fans would like and um i feel like that you know like it's my job to put out the kind of music that my fans like you know what i mean absolutely um and 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 that you know that brings the whole question of what is a trey lewis fan you know what i mean of course like i said there's dick down in dallas fans and i'm grateful for those people you know what i mean um but you know i want to continue to have a career to put out music and um you know the, for the people that come to my shows and buy tickets and buy merchandise and are you know those people that i make believers out of you know what i mean yeah. beyond you know this one song which is a great opportunity for me to do that that song will always bring new eyes to me no matter yeah what. you know it's kind of the way i see it so um 
But I mean, that's you know, it's just that's just showing my personality and who I am through my music. I mean, I've got a, I've got a, cra- I've had a crazy fucked up life. You know what I mean? I have, yeah. I have a big story, so I mean, I just think that's just showing other layers of that onion. You know what I mean? Through my absolutely. Music. And uh, I was gonna say, I I don't. When I first heard that song, like I became a fan instantly. But while that was the song that introduced me to you um I did not think it was gonna end there for you I mean I think your voice is so so talented and I think I thought the lyrics were so clever so I was like he he has for sure more under his sleeve and I'm excited for I mean I think your new EP is solid work thank you thank you I'm I'm proud of it I think collectively we have five songs that really go well together um and and sound all like they're one thing, you know. Right. Different. So. So, here's my question because because now I'm a, I'm a, I want to go a little deeper here for you because I want to know. 19 years old and you and you've been sober since 19. Mm-hmm. The legal age to drink is 21. <laughs> you never did no underage. So let's so I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so what? But my my question is this: what what caused? Like, was there something that happened? If you want to talk about it or not? Yeah, let's go. That, I'm an open scroll, baby. Yeah, that yeah. caused you at 19 years old to stop drinking. Like, what was that? Um, so I started using drugs. And it wasn't just drinking; it was it was the drugs too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I I took my first sip of alcohol when I was 12 years old, and uh, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> Just for me, it was like, I don't know, I always felt um, uh, Theo Vaughn, which, you know, he's the podcast guy, right? He's awesome. Um, Actually, I got to meet him and be on a Christmas special with him, which was cool. He gave me his number and everything. I've only texted him like once or twice. But I got to meet uh, Chelsea Lynn. Yeah. Her too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She sent me like a free shirt and shit. It was really cool. That's real um, shit right there. Yeah, she's funny as hell. But anyways, um, he talks about it. He it was like two years ago he did this podcast, but he always felt like, and and I felt this way too. It's like I always just felt like I didn't fit in. If that makes sense, like, and and um, my parent. I grew up in you know divorced family, and you know my best friend became my stepbrother at a young age. Yeah, it was weird. Anyways, so uh, there's a lot more there. We could be here all day for that. <laughs> but um, anyways, like the, from the first time I ever drank alcohol, I like I was like, oh well, shit, you know that's what's missing, you know, and like it did something to me that where it doesn't do for others. Like the other two kids that I got drunk with that night, like got in trouble and they like you know. You know, one of them was running like cross country the next year, and like, you know, they flew the straight and narrow. Where me, I was like, mm, I, I promise I won't do it again. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, next time I get a chance to do that shit, I'm fucking doing that shit. And, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, my mom wasn't home a lot. She, she was a single mom and, and she was a nurse, so she worked like 12 hour days. So it's just like, I was pretty much free reign. I had a sister that was older than me and like, smoke pot and stuff so like it was just all in once I pulled the trigger you know what I mean 
and uh you know I, I started smoking pot and then um you know i always said i wouldn't do pills and then you know i started doing pills and then i started selling drugs in ninth grade we were talking about that earlier yeah. you know i started selling drugs in ninth grade for these uh two asian guys um yeah it was pretty wild but they had a gas station or convenience stores in like the bad parts of birmingham like uh well like Inslee and west end i don't know if you're familiar with birmingham that's like anyways a few years later i got sober and i was playing in this bar and i saw the gas station that i used to hang out at was on first 48 you know what i mean like and i grew up in like (laughs) yeah i grew up in like the (laughs) suburbs of birmingham like no business hanging out in that area of town you know um but yeah so like once I met them, I was like selling drugs for them or whatever. Like, um, they had, um, they had a, a you know, the convenience store. So it was like, whatever kind of liquor you want, you can have it, you know, or whatever. So I could just go down there like a 21 year old and buy alcohol. And man, it just spiraled from there. And, and, and I mean, I, every, it just got to the point to where like, I, every time I drank or like, went on these long benders i either ended up in handcuffs like i did like three months in juvie at one time and uh yeah i just got real i was in a psych ward one time that was a uh, for adolescence that was pretty crazy and uh dang yeah man there's just plenty of stories i can go on and on and on but um i got arrested in tuscaloosa i was living in tuscaloosa which i dropped out of high school twice the last time for good and then um all my friends were like i went to military school for a little while but that didn't work out i got kicked out and but the day before how do you get kicked out of military school oh i just wouldn't conform to the rules you know (laughs) i figured that would be the answer i went home i got they put me out of military school i went home for like a little while and then I was like I went home and I got drunk on some natty lights and I was like if I could just like you know get another opportunity then like I could go back and do it you know because when you're right. drunk you can do anything right especially Absolutely. when you're snorting cocaine too you know what I mean so I was like I could do anything so I get a chance to go back and then all the while while I was there I had this court stuff like I'd stole some money from my dad mm-hmm. and um and uh, I had a DUI that's, yeah, that's 17 and uh, make a long story short I went back to military school my court stuff got thrown out the day, the next day I got kicked out I came back home my mom was like you can't live at home so I got an apartment in Pell City, Alabama I got a job at Hardee's like I got my parents like respect like you know like I earned back their trust just enough for them to buy me a car I quit my job I went back on the run, started selling drugs and stuff again, and then I moved to Tuscaloosa. And then when I was in Tuscaloosa, I got arrested again. And uh, this time, like, I'll never forget it, man. I was like, you know, when, I don't know if y'all ever been to jail. Probably not, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I have. Anyways. I have. So, like, you know, when you're in jail, you get, <laughs> you get a call. Yeah. Know? And I'll never forget it. Uh, it was my turn to call, and I remember just, like, looking at I just wanted to call like somebody in my life that could tell me like for once that like I was a good person or like I did something like that was worth the shit you know and like I just remember that feeling in my stomach like 
there was just nobody to call because I had screwed everybody over, you know? And uh, I get emotional every time I tell that story, not on purpose, but like, I just, you know, I was somebody that I wasn't raised to be and it was just disgusting to me. And I'll never forget, I got out of jail and there was this girl that they found, my friends finally came and bailed me out all in $1 bills, $500. And I'll never forget, there was this girl that like, I was like super in love with at the time. And I remember, we were at this gas station I looked at her and I was like I'm serious I'm done with this shit I'm not doing this shit anymore and like I went back to their house and that night they were like they called me Bird back in the day they were like Bird's out of jail let's party you know and they were all partying and I wasn't doing anything and then everybody went to sleep and I saw in like an ashtray like this I saw like a blunt roach and I smoked it and then from there like on out like it was wide ass open for three more months and I just like no matter what I like no matter what I just couldn't stop using drugs and I couldn't stop drinking and then I finally just got miserable one day and I called my mom I was like I need to get some help and I went to Bradford so um, you can't I keep telling you you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped you, get, you right. have to want to help themselves right. Yeah. you can right. help, help yourself right Yeah. so I finally got to that point where it wasn't about like getting people off my case or anymore where it was just like fuck I'm tired of living like this yeah. you know and like it just gotten bad for me like you know I tell people I got sober when I was 19 and they're like hell I probably spill more than he ever drank but like you know whatever say what you want you know what I mean my shit's real like I was fucking waking up with the shakes and throwing up blood and shit so um, but I mean I went to treatment and I was there for two weeks and I got out and I went to sober living for six months and you know I did the whole AA thing I got a sponsor I worked the steps I still go to meetings you know and, and here I am 14 years later putting a, putting out a song about dicks and butt fucks and you know <laughs> never giving up and, and you know showing the world that hey you know you can be sober and not have to be a fucking prude you know yeah like there's more I to, love that there's more to life than that so that's the truth yeah that's the truth no I was gonna say I love that that goes back to me saying there's no rules I mean, yeah, you can have whatever path that works for you, and I think it's really impressive that you took that route. Yeah. So, um, who's been your musical influences? Because you, you you said this helped you start, you know, sobriety and right and being sober. So, who's been what artists has been your musical influence to, to lead you to the path of I'm going to do this? Yeah. Uh, well, when I was a kid, my mom was married to a man named Seth, and uh, um, she was married from him to him when I was like, my mom and my dad divorced when I was really young. I don't remember, maybe two or three. So, like, I just always, like, looking back, I always remember, like, I had a dad that I went to his house on the weekends, and then I had a dad at home. You know, yeah. I had two dads. I mean, they were pretty good at co-parenting. They, like, coached my football team. One did offense, one did defense, yeah. But Seth was uh, – he was in a wheelchair. He, like, broke his back doing construction or something. But his childhood best friend was Neil Thrasher. I don't know if y'all know who that yeah, is. Yeah. Heavy hitter writer. He's a badass songwriter, right? So – A lot of Kenny Chesney and Rascal Flatts. Yeah. Aldine. And Aldine, yeah. yeah. So – like uh, when I was a kid, we would go hunting with Neil, and I'll never forget it. Before Neil was 
the songwriter that he is now he was in a duo called thrasher shriver mm-hmm. and i'll never forget like me and seth my stepdad we had that we had that cd and we just wear it out on the way to football practice like whatever like it was the jam like it was going in like you know like how dick down dallas gets you hype you know thrasher shriver album got me hype you know and um I don't know, like, we used to just listen to that. Well, we went hunting one time, and I'll never forget, Neil was, like, in the bathroom at the Waffle House. It was early in the morning, and he got in the car, and Seth had started playing the CD, and, like, he was just kind of sitting there listening to it. And I just remember sitting in the back seat going, man, that would be fu- I want, that would be fucking cool to be, like, have a, you know, song, you know, like, come out of the speakers. And, like, I always, like, loved Garth Brooks as a kid, and, like, my mom sang karaoke. She had, like, this... And still does has this big elaborate like you know like like karaoke machine like right. you know what I mean right. like I just bought her one of those nice those little small Bose speakers you oh, know really? so she can like travel with it you know when she like goes to the lake house and stuff um, but yeah so like I always and then my uncles like played guitars and stuff like that um, so I would always get up and sing so I think it was just a matter of time before like. But I will say this: without sobriety, I would have never picked up the guitar or like tried right. to learn how to play it. Because um, I was always real good at starting tasks and not finishing them. But once I got sober, I got rid of that quitting attitude. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but like, man, I, I mean, I really loved like, you know, country music coming up as a kid. Like, I listened to like Blake Shelton, like all his old records and stuff like that. Like back when like they used to put albums out that would like maybe have like one or two radio songs on the rest were just like b-sides yeah you know what i mean like that was the shit back in the day um brooks and dunn you know all the 90s stuff i mean i'm 33 so you know you're 33 mm-hmm. all right i don't feel old anymore yeah me neither <laughs> so uh, but all that <laughs> stuff uh, I, I, I you know that you know, and I, of course, growing up with women in the house, just me, my, me, my sister, and my mom, like the Dixie Chicks, Jody Messina, you know, like Lori Morgan, all that stuff. I grew up listening to that, and then my my rebellious days, I went through a good rap phase, you know, like mm-hmm. like um, like uh, UGK and like the Texas rap stuff, like Riding Dirty. That's one of the best albums ever made. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, dude, it's so good, like. They use real instruments, like yep. That shit is so good. They set, they set a, they set a, uh, they set a bar for that. They set a bar for that. Yeah, they set you a know? bar Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. You know? Like eight ball MJG, and then you know, of course, like you know, your typical white kid. I love Tupac. You know. Yeah, I love Tupac. I love Biggie. Yeah, Biggie. See, I like Biggie, but I'm not like. I'm more like uh, Death Row Records. You know uh, what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. You, you either kill a motherfucking guy. I'm, like, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, hit him up. That was my jam. <laughs> but, like, I also got into, like, the Memphis shit, like Project Pat and 3-6 yeah. Mafia, which is terrible. You know what I mean? But, like, in its era, it it's great at music. at the time. Yeah. In its era, it's great music. But now, like, Absolutely. I listen to that stuff, and I still get down to it because it's, like, a nostalgia thing for me. But some yeah. of that stuff sonically is just not there. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of that stuff sonically is not there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck were they on? Yeah. Weed. So, yeah, weed. I still sure. dig it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I went on that. I got on that stuff, and then um, I never really got much into, like, hard rock. I went through, like, a metal phase. My 
just because like in support of one of my best friends he was like in a metal band mm -hmm. but like I went to like this thing called Furnace Fest in Alabama one time saw Andrew WK there but nothing like I wasn't ever like get into a phase like I didn't paint my, my toenails black or anything but, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, you know that's hilarious just typical like you know how old are y'all I'm 30 I just 30. turned 30 31 31. So, yeah, we all kind of grew up. Like we're all, yeah, yeah. We're all we all had burnt CDs with everything oh, on it. Oh, yeah. for sure. I just, I went to my uh, grandma's in my house and I found all my burnt CDs and I'm like, I wonder if half this shit still works. Yeah. Did y'all have LimeWire? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, got Hank, you got Hank Jr. and you got like uh, Akon on the same CD. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. the live version of songs that aren't even out. Yeah, the live oh, version. Yeah. Live wire. Yeah. Live wire. Yeah, because I I ruined so many of my parents' computers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. So I I don't know I don't know are we allowed to talk about anything on here? Are you allowed to talk about like, anything you we're want? We're gonna be rated. Okay. So uh, like I said, my mom was uh, was a was a nurse and she was going a lot. You know how everybody had like the family computer in the kitchen oh, yeah. or like whatever yep. so my friends would like get on LimeWire or whatever and download porn and they would <laughs> and they would like they would like download like gay porn and like put it as the screensaver oh and my then like God. just not even tell me and I'm like sitting in my room and my mom just comes in there and starts beating my ass for like oh, no reason oh my yeah. God. yeah that's yeah. incredible yeah. I would be beating our friends ass is what I would do yeah. <laughs> I think I'm my ass so I've been doing I'm going to this motherfucker's house right now. Yeah. All right. Do y'all remember how that. two girls, one cup, just like changed the world? Oh, it changed it the internet forever. Yep. I think I know the person who wrote that. The what? I think I know the person who wrote that song. They, someone wrote a song. Oh, I haven't heard the song. Oh no, someone wrote a song to that, like as parody really? to Red Solo Cup. Oh wow. Yeah. Two girls. This is one news to cup. me. <laughs> someone wrote a parody. Of it. I'm not gonna say anything. I think I, I think I know who wrote the song. <laughs> I think it's, I have to check kind of, that out. Yeah, I don't know if it's still out, but, but it that, was a YouTube that, like, thing. That changed uh, like our generation and generations to come, and internet forever. Mm -hmm. Because there was never anything like that. I remember the first time I saw it, like I was like, "This is disgusting." I have to show this <laughs> to whoever, you know. And then they watch it, and they're like throwing up, and it's like, "Yeah, this is hilarious." Hey, was that what was that? If like, you're fucked up, was like that like? Me, yeah. I mean, was that like high school, college fest? <laughs> Was bad. No, that was so long ago. It was yeah. It was like high school. It was yeah. It was high yeah. School it was like definitely high school. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. so gross. Yeah, so but it, gross. but it's still a living thing. Like yeah. I think about that video sometimes. Like, after <laughs> that, there came cake farts and like yep. all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying though. That was the first thing that you could look up on the internet. It was like this is fucked up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, there's so many others, and I can't now, think of them right now. Like, they give away Pornhub, you know, <laughs> subscriptions. <laughs> I got one during quarantine. I ain't afraid to admit it. It was free, man. It was free. It was free. It's only ten dollars now. Free. That's hilarious. It was free. So your influences there? Yeah, I I wanted to ask you that too. What What are your biggest musical influences? Uh, I don't know. I mean. I would say definitely like uh, I, I really like listening to songwriters. Um, yeah. Like I said, Neil Thrasher was definitely one of them. Wendell Mobley was definitely one of them. 
um, Tony Lane. Like, I love uh, getting on YouTube and just, and that, that's kind of being a computer kid. That's kind of like what I did. Um, you know, like as far as like songwriters go, it's like listening to, um, you know, the actual songwriters sing the songs to me. Right. That was, you know, hearing them tell the stories. Um, that's always been like a super huge influence of mine. But uh, I mean, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, and Blake Shelton, those guys were just like, for so long, they were just like the guys. Yeah. They still are. I think. They still, still are. are. I, mean, I think y'all watch the. I, I think Luke Bryan has a hall pass on number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like have you seen the, uh, the uh, Luke Bryan documentary? I have not watched it. I yeah, have not either. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm, I will this weekend. Yeah, and for Kenny sure. Chesney, you know, like yeah, Kenny, Kenny's been a big one for me in this business. Yeah, like that's like if any artist I want to work, if I want to work with any artist, it's an artist like Kenny Chesney because yeah. he he works hard and he's yeah. just, he changed the game. Yeah. And on that same note, if there was one artist you could collab with, who would it be? Blake Shelton, for sure. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, we tried to get him on Dick Down in Dallas, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure he we wanted really to secretly. <laughs> he actually responded too. So. He would have done it Did, too. All right, so he posted a screenshot of him and Gwen's song going number one. Mm-hmm. And you know how, like, on iTunes, when you buy songs, it says play instead of buy? Dick yeah. Down in Dallas had a play beside it, so he had bought the song. Oh, wow. Yeah, a screenshot somewhere. But, like, those are, like, as far as, like, commercial radio, like, you know, growing up as a, as a you know, like, a kid, like, those are, like, my main influences. But, like, I'm into weird shit, too. Like, I say weird stuff because most people don't know. But, like, Jason Isabel, he's, like, one of my biggest influences right. ever. I've seen him live six times. He's so good. Um, uh, Cover Me Up, before it was a big Morgan Wall right. hit, was a was a special song to me. I played at my dad's uh, service when he passed away um, before it was ever a Morgan Wallen thing. But um, he, I think he's like one of the best songwriters ever. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, so like Sturgill Simpson, love that. He's so That's underrated. Those guys are so underrated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I hate using the word unappreciated, but definitely... Yeah, I'd appreciate it. It's the quality of music that they Yeah, release. John Prine. Yeah, that guy proved to me you can write a song about anything. 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 I mean, he's he's amazing. Jeez. So, um, I think it's just a whole, you know, collective. I love listening to music, all kinds of music. So yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I just like this kind of goes on to what I said earlier. It's like I definitely have my influences and like artists that like I look up to because of like who they are as a person and their work ethic right you know like you said about Kenny Chesney like there's a guy named Adam Hood he's from Alabama doubt y'all know who he is right but, like you know he's a grinder you know like he's he's got you know he's got a couple of cuts and and, and uh you know but like the way he works and the way that he you know models his business is a big you know is a big thing to me and something that i aspire to be like muscadine bloodline those guys 
they're not on a label. They don't have songs on the radio, but the way that they run their business, they're independent and they just crush it. They do a really good job and their fans are diehard and uh, they're just really good people. Um, but like uh, American Aquarium, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, like they're another somebody that, you know, I aspire to be like as far as like how I run my business and things like that. Um, all those things are important to me. So, you know, like musically, like, you know, I think that, you know, I listen to a lot of different styles of music and, and different types of songwriting or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that less goes back to what I said earlier. It's like, I can't be anybody other than Trey Lewis. You know what I mean? So 100%. Like, I can't like try to sound like this guy or that guy. Like I just got to be me. And if people like that, that's cool. And if not, like, well, fuck, hopefully I can just make enough to get by. Cause yeah. I, ain't at, I ain't good at nothing else. Yeah, you know that, what I mean? Like that's I'm a high us- school dropout here. So. Yeah. That's usually what works is when yeah. you really like look at yourself and you're like, I just need to try being myself. Yeah. That's usually when it, hits off so that is true that's very true I mean we have a mutual friend who will name, name his name or anything but he always says the best thing an artist can do is to be themselves that's right yeah no matter what um, so where do you see yourself five years from now uh, hopefully I'm just still playing shows and, and uh, you know I just signed a publishing deal with Sony so um, pretty excited about that I'm going in tomorrow to um, to uh, take my official picture and you know, do, do the announce yeah Rusty texted me this That's morning exciting. he's always he's, he's an alumni section he's always Rusty's always texting me and uh, giving me inspirational quotes for the day I'm going I'll play you before we leave I'll play you a little snippet of yeah. Rusty <clears throat> Rusty was in season one of this podcast as a guest I actually think he was probably like the fourth or fifth episode of it and um <clears throat> Rusty has a uh, think of songwriter speech. Yeah. Um, that I'll play for you. It's basically like when you listen to it, it's almost as if Rusty Gaston is preaching a gospel. Yeah. To the world, and it is fucking phenomenal. Nice. Um, um, you have any more questions, man? But I signed my pub deal. And I would like to get songs on the radio, you know, that would be cool. I might sign a record deal. Just has to be the right situation for me. And, yeah. if, and if not, you know, then that's fine too. I'm cool with just playing shows and, and taking care of my people. So Absolutely. That's a. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's best to have more control over, over what you do. Yeah. 100%. As as what your best business yeah. is. Yeah. I agree with that. That's why I said it's got to be the right deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a smart way to go. I think a lot of people are will rush into signing a deal because they see it with neon lights and a lot of the times yeah, it doesn't the, uh, really end up I'm 33 so uh, you know the average contracts licensing no. what yeah. seven years no no no, no. no. you're done the yeah. average contract was thrown out after Brett Young yeah because yeah. Brett Young was I want to say someone's going to correct me on this but I want to say Brett Young was like 35, yeah. 38 when he got his first number one hit. Yeah. And that was his debut album. Yeah. So, you never know. Anything yeah. can happen. 
age Anything. difference is all, age nowadays age don't matter anymore yeah I just want to keep man I just want to keep going playing these shows and, and building a fan fan base organically and, and, and uh, you know I mean that's what I love you know some people don't like you know you see a lot of people man that never even played a show and they you know they join these they get a record deal and then they're on yeah. the road and they're like fuck I don't want to do this you know what I mean yeah. I love being on the road that's my that's all I've done for the last eight years you right. know what I mean so like you know I'm, I'm cool with it you know so you make more money on the road anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay out of trouble too that's very true well sir I want to thank you for your time and coming in yeah and sorry this. I was late man. Uh, I'm not worried about it we had nothing to do anyway she was gonna go to the gym she's not going anyway yeah she's still in recovery anyway um this has been another episode I have here uh, my guest co-host Karina who is you did, you did good girl you did good thank you you did good <laughs> <laughs> I was a little nervous I was a little nervous <laughs> I was a little nervous too <laughs> <laughs> but Trey Lewis thank you so much for coming on um go check him out go listen to his his new EP shut the door other than Dick Down in Dallas it's sure really you, good I'm sure that you guys already listened to that we're not shutting the door on we're that. not shutting the door on that yeah. <laughs> nice shit go, go listen to it stream podcast follow us everywhere it's been great thanks man thanks man